You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. This show contains information about injuries to riders competing in AMA Supercross, AMA Motocross, MXGP, Ozpro MX, and other international moto events. The information discussed may be unsettling to some listeners. It might be incomplete or based on medical opinions due to riders tending to hide the details of their injuries. We are here to explain the information and increase injury understanding and visibility for the fans. There might be coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If any of this offends you, turn us off right now. Therapist, and this is a very, very special episode of the Always Moto Podcast. This is episode 35. I'm your host, David Hogan. Welcome to the Always Moto Podcast. We are in the depths of the clinic throwing strapping tape anywhere it will stick. As always on the show, we'll be going through all things injuries in moto because hashtag injuries are a part of moto. Now, today's show will not be necessarily our usual format with the emergency department, Dave's diatribe and all those good parts and whatnot that we usually put on for you guys. This is a very dedicated episode just to our interview with Alden Baker. As many of you will have seen, we dropped some teasers uh, earlier this weekend, a couple of days ago, to try and get you guys enticed to check out the Always Moto podcast because we felt that this episode warranted your attention. So you should be listening to this episode all the way through. Alden was an extremely good guest. But let's jump through a couple of things first before we get into the interview with Alden. We are obviously putting through this show with the support of a few people now, which is fantastic. So let's jump into those couple of people that are supporting the show. We now have Polar Australia on board, which most of you will know who do anything in moto and training, and particularly as you'll hear with Alden, you need to track your heart rate and all those other good parts that can come along with those multi-purpose fitness training watches nowadays but polar australia is on board uh, and supporting the always moto podcast and they have actually released a brand new fitness and well-being watch the ignite three this is their very best offering to date in this field it's the lightest watch you'll find at 35 grams it's their slimmest watch it's their best gps watch with dual band gps features so keep an eye out for that one it's available now it's only dropped a couple of days ago it's a very sleek watch and it's a very well lit um, screen and very easy to see they're actually using some phone technology on these screens now to improve that uh, quality there as well so check out the ignite 3 but some also some other big news from Polar Australia that's happening very, very soon. Obviously, today's date, we're dropping this episode on the 14th of November, uh, Aussie time. But on the 21st of November through to the 28th of November, Polar Australia is having a very big sale. 
check out their website. There'll be a link in our show notes and you'll see some of those links on our socials in the coming days to prepare you to get onto that sale to help you save some money on these products that you will be using or should be using all the time. They've got up to 33% off their products with this sale, but specifically that might be of interest to us moto people is the Polar Grit X Pro. They're going to have 10% off it, which is one of their high-end multi-sport heart rate fitness watches. And they also have 20% off all H10 heart rate sensors, which is that chest strap. It's their highest quality one on their list. uh, And they're going to have 20% off that specific heart rate sensor. So check out that sale. It's from the 21st of November through to the 28th of November. And the link, like I said, will be in the show notes. Please use our link. It will help support Always Moto uh, and show that they have made a good choice in supporting the Always Moto podcast. So please use the link that we have available to get a purchase and update your fitness training apparatus and ensure that you're getting all the data you possibly can from that uh, session that you're putting in all that effort into. We also have slant board, guys. Remember that one we talked about last week? We have a slant board affiliate deal with them where they are offering us a 10% discount for all Always Moto podcast listeners by using the Always Moto 10 code, which will be also linked in the show notes as well. It's a simple piece of equipment. It's a slant board. You can help use your improve your squats so you can get a better range of motion in those squats or lunges or whatever else you can come up with to do on top of that board on that slant to help make your legs stronger for the improve your standing technique on the bike. Uh, and that code again is always moto in lowercase at checkout. Again, link in the show notes and you'll also help with us by following that link, not just Google searching people, don't just Google search. Please use the link in the show notes so that we can get that uh, that that uh, credit as such for our sale through the site so that we can help keep having these guys on board with us to support the show. It's fantastic. We've got two people on board now supporting the Always Moto podcast that we've been talking about for a while now, uh, and we're hoping to bring you some more in the coming weeks. We've just got some few negotiations going on. Hopefully, we can get some more companies that are very specific and products that I trust and I've used myself. Uh, I don't want to just bring you anybody onto this show and just take the money. I have to believe in them and I have to be specific to Moto or in the fitness and physical performance or you know injury prevention side of things. So we're looking forward to bringing on some extra people here shortly. As always, we've still got the Always Moto Podcasts merchandise, the T-shirts available. They're $25 plus postage and handling in Australian dollars. Uh, we have an international dropship option available now. So we've got the US-based listeners can purchase that and we'll get that through there. So the postage will be much cheaper now. Sorry for those listeners that had some pays, some higher priced uh, postages back in, the, back in the day, but we've sorted that out now. I've got an option to print them locally for you guys in the US. Uh, but hit us up, send us an email at alwaysmoto2019 at gmail.com. Put T-shirt order in the subject line and we'll send through those details for payment. We're doing payments via PayPal and we'll organize delivery and all that sort of good stuff. Now, as the last thing here as well before we jump into this interview, if you can support the show in any way, we can always you can always send a donation to Always Moto PayPal account. Drop a message or a question in that notes. Any amount will do. There's a link in our bio on our Instagram or in our social feeds there, and also in the show notes to get to that Always Moto PayPal donation section. Uh, and we can then read out those questions live on the show. So please send us a donation. It will help keep the lights on here at the Always Moto podcast, which has been growing every episode, which is fantastic. And look. Let's talk quickly about this interview. 
I really appreciate, I reached out to a lot of my contacts on social media to help support and promote this show. And I really appreciate the response that I've had from everybody that I've reached out to. Um, Thank you for reposting that teaser video that I popped together uh, a couple of days ago. Everyone who supported it and now because of all those listeners that are now listening to this actual episode here as we're talking, I appreciate that that's been the case. And look, I really appreciate you supporting a small guy building his way into this industry here in this media game uh, and putting out this awesome podcast that we're trying to do for you guys and bring some different different content that might not be necessarily asked in this light. Obviously, everyone's heard from Alden Baker and other writers, but not necessarily in this in, in this light that we're looking at it from the fitness and industry side uh, and, and injury side of things, not industry, injury, injury side of things. So we're trying to bring you some different information. So hopefully you're enjoying it, but we really appreciate the support that everyone has given us. Now, onto the Alden Bacon interview. This was an awesome opportunity to sit down with Alden. I asked him for 30 minutes to talk about his pre-season training program that he's currently putting his five riders through. Now, he's got Christian Craig as a newcomer. He's got Malcolm Stewart returning, Aaron Plessinger returning, Cooper Webb returning, as many of you have seen and heard about that little breakup and reuniting, uh, and also continuing on with the program is RJ Hampshire. And they're the five guys specifically under out, and he obviously has the 250 program, which he's not directly responsible for, but run out of his Baker's factory um, property location there in Florida. But he, we wanted to get some information about what he does pre-season. Now, like I said, I asked him for 30 minutes, by the time we had a few dropouts because there was a hurricane occurring in the area, so the weather over in Florida wasn't fantastic and we'd gather the signal on his Wi-Fi, just kicked him off a couple of times. So bear with us at the, towards the latter end of this interview. There's a couple of times he drops out and we've had to sort of trim the, trim the audio to sort of match up so we could restart those conversations that we lost him for. So stick around for those bits, but he gets some really good stuff out. But he gave me way more than 30 minutes. It's almost an hour that he was on the phone for, and I really appreciate that because we, we dive into a few good topics here, not just in terms of you know the, the basic stuff that's going on there, but you know he's talking about some specific things with, with why he uses lactates uh, as his measures for, for testing, why he uses body weights as well to prove a day's efforts, not just calories, which is a very simple measure. He's gone a bit more specific into that. And also how he adjusts his program and how he makes up time in his program for things that might happen that cause him to lose some effort periods along the way. So it's this extremely interesting interview. I had an absolute ball listening to him and getting to talk to him. It's probably a bit of a, a you know bit of a looking at it, looking at your hero sort of thing. He's a very obviously been around for a long time and we've known him for a long time in the industry of being the the trainer to be with and to actually get to sit down and talk to him was pretty cool i've got to be honest it was really cool and we're hoping they'll be able to do some more things with out over the next few months as the season progresses and then their transition between supercross and motocross and how that all works for them and so trying to get some more info from him along the way so there should be more stuff from him with always moto in the near future hopefully so here's the interview guys and girls that you've all been waiting for appreciate you listening to the always moto podcast don't forget to check out those spo- those sponsors of Polar Australia and Slantboard Guy and also buy your T-shirt so you can rock that Always Moto T-shirt at your next race event. Uh, but here's the interview with Alden Baker. All right, joining us on the Always Moto podcast today, it's a pretty special guest. Um, he's one of the more well-known trainers in our industry and probably, I would say, definitely the most um, 
winningest or, or successful trainer in our industry. He's from the Baker's Factory. It's Alden Baker. Welcome onto the show, Alden. Well, thank you, David. I appreciate it, man, and uh, appreciate the kind words. No, look, I think you've earned that, to be honest. That's pretty much, you've, you've been the one around probably the longest and definitely the, the most um, successful. And obviously now with this Baker's Factory program that you've got, it's a pretty impressive thing that, to, to put your name to and be the face of. So, you know, you deserve all the credit. No, well, thank you. But as you know, in this sport, man, you, you know, the results are everything. And obviously, yeah, man, it's been an amazing 22 years. And, you know, definitely uh, that's been incredible. But, man, we've got to keep it going. So there's, there's always a, a challenge ahead, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It never, never ends, really, does it? There's always another race coming up. So, Right. Well, well, let's let's jump into all this. Um, we've got some questions here just to sort of talk about where you guys are up to with with preseason and and what sort of goes into it for you guys. But I gather at this time of year, this is probably either the busiest and and maybe the most critical part of of your time with the guys as the trainer. Is that how you see this point in the year for you? Yes, David, that's correct. I mean, for sure. You know, it's it's the preseason, and it's you know everything we can do to prep the guys before they go into to racing. So for sure, the busiest and the most what I call full on with with the athletes for sure. Yeah, I, I like this is like without season the way it goes from race to race so quickly. There's not really time to rebuild anything from a physical you know performance side of things. So this time of year, it's where all that that hard effort goes into, isn't it? To be to be able to maintain that through the year then too. Yeah, correct. And and it's it's about the only time where we try and get the least amount of distractions. You know, where the guys have to travel and 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 even that's a challenge. I mean, even this weekend, I've got. Uh, Cooper's in in Paris, yep. you know. So there's still odd things that pop up, but I try and utilize the time that they're not having to travel or with you know having a lot of commitments to try and get the most out of the preparation so that we're ready to go. You know, the first week in in January. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So when. What is the sort of point that you try and start this preseason from? Like in our industry, obviously, there's a, the, the contract changeovers for teams and all that sort of stuff happens around that 1st of October. But is that too mm. early or is that like sort of where you start to aim for this to begin from? Like I think you've started this program this year only sort of two weeks or so ago. Is that about what I saw on, online and stuff from, from the guys' socials? Yep. Yeah, no. And look, typically it's the the 1st of November when, when we – do jump back into the training. You know, you when you look back, you always work after the last race, which is outdoors, and then the guys do need, a, obviously, a break. Um, and then you've got to tie in also with when you can get all the equipment, you know, the for Supercross. So you've got to be aligned with when the teams, teams can provide equipment for them. And then we've got to give them a, a certain amount of time to rebuild all these Supercross tracks. So... You know, I have three of them, and they typically take about a week each to be built. So I'll start the 1st of October building tracks, and then, you know, if all goes well like it did, then after three weeks, we then jump into where we, you know, start at least getting into some riding. But during that period, the guys have to go to California and still, you know, start getting some of the the new stuff, you know, set up and at least get their bikes 
pretty much to what they remember from the previous season so that <laughs> those things can be built and then be shipped out to the facility here in Florida. So there's a lot of little logistics that need to come together. So, you know, you try and give the guys as much of a breather as possible before they dive back into it. Um, and then you, you balance it out from there. But pretty much, you know, first of October is when really things for Supercross start going, you know, mm -hmm. between the riders, the team, and then me prepping for, for the basically that first of November start. Yeah, I think you yeah. just definitely answered that part about being the busiest too. Like obviously all that prep that you just talked about in terms of tracks and, and team changeovers and, and gear getting to the facility is busy. But you sort of list, went to something there too that I thought I might just ask about is that gap between season and starting this. Is there a, a, a date, like a, a period of time that you like to see the guys have as a break dedicated and then before they start jumping back into some just I gather some maintenance cycling rides or anything like that to before they get to that first November is there a couple of weeks like do you yes. aim for two or, or three what's what's your number there David it's pretty much two you know weeks that they can and and I wish it was more but it just <laughs> you lose too much if it's longer more. yeah so they definitely get where and, and I tell them, you know, like take two weeks off. Where I don't, you know, you don't. If they wanted to lay in bed for two weeks, they could do it if they <laughs> wanted to. But normally the guys will, you know, go on a holiday with their family or do something or regroup. And then after two weeks, we start getting back into cardio. Um, and then you at least need those next two weeks of cardio before we start getting into riding again. You know, but yeah. you you don't want to go just cold into to riding a motorcycle again you know that's never the best so you know they off the motorcycle the goal is to have four weeks but uh really from training it's only two, two. weeks yeah, so it's right. not a lot no it's not they definitely don't get much time off in in this this sport compared to say you know others there's they have have a much longer break in in like nfl or something so yeah it's a bit of a Correct. bit of a quick turnaround but so then obviously this phase starts if you start that that training, uh, you know, first of November, say, like you just indicated, how long it, we just, is there a, there's an intense phase for this preseason. How long is that for you before you then would say hit that taper into round one? You know, so the goal is I try and utilize the, you know, basically the November and all of December. But when you put in the holidays, it's that adjusts things anyway, you know, like Christmas day. Yep um new year so when i look at it i i'll only get probably six weeks total of of solid training the other little pieces really is you you lost with you know holidays which you you know you don't get around and then also you know the odd weather delay or and i'll give an example in december early december they're all got to be in california for what they call felt media day where oh, they yeah. get all their pictures ready for that so they go missing a little bit there so when you incorporate all the days that are they're not able to actually put in training then you you know you lose a certain amount so you know I I look at the schedule and then I look at the plan with what I have available but overall to answer your question it's it's probably a good six weeks that's that's it in preparation before you know you start tapering off and and leading up to the first race which that is typically right around just after Christmas anyway. And they make that transition after then anyway towards California. 
So yeah, so they'd be all moving of, out there then, wouldn't they? Like it's it's a bit yeah. of a busy week that first week of January, I gather. So exactly, and then they've got to run in their race bikes and all that. So that that whole system, you know, is definitely a lot more mellow. So it's almost like a natural taper because you, it's not like you could do much more with it anyway. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, you're forced into that situation. So yeah, correct. Awesome. Oh, well, um, what about like? This you've obviously been doing this for quite some time now, and you said um, I think before we hit record was about twenty two years that you've been been in this industry doing training for for pro riders. Is this preseason look anything like the preseason in terms of what you're riding out for a program as that you did at that very first time back with with Ricky Carmichael all those years ago? Yeah, no, it's evolved a lot um, since Ricky. I mean. You know that just the racing and and the overall training has has evolved a lot. Um, the biggest thing that I've seen is the the difference with I've got putting good guys together. So if I give an example, when I when I started with Ricky back in the day, it was more very individual, yep. and everyone trained alone. So it's it was really you could actually almost push a lot more and add a lot more load because they weren't getting pushed automatically like I see the group now. So lately with since I've been able to put good guys together, you you don't there's no way I think they could cope with the load that I used to have. Um but so it it kind of condenses a little bit, but the intensity is is a lot better if I can put it that way. Yeah, so uh, so you're, you're saying that like the overall like maybe – no, all, all good, a couple of technical difficulties there, guys and girls. But, um, yeah, Alden's back on the line. So he was just going through that the, the load and, and the intensity is probably the different point of, you know, the program this year than, than say, 22 years ago. But So it, it, you're basically saying that this time around for, for the guys that are on the program, you know, Cooper, Aaron, Christian, Malcolm, those guys, that they're doing less – maybe say in the gym or less miles on the bike, but they're probably just more intense on the track, uh, on the actual moto. Is that what you're sort of getting at there with the, the training program? Yeah, David, that's correct. I mean, everything is obviously all in, you know, you line everything towards the riding, you know, and your riding fitness and your riding intensity. So, um, you know, it's, it is good to see now that you – you know, you're able to put, you know, good guys together, you can gain those, those, I'd say, get those gains a little bit easier than if the guy was all on his own, you know, so it's, it's, but that's, that's where it starts. I always, um, you know, on the program, I always look at, you know, I've got to get to at least where I know they're capable of a really high intensity for at least, two solid motos, you know, which is, I weighed up as basically 22 minutes, yep. you know, so that's, that's what you want to aim for in the training is it's like, okay, if I can get the guys at a high end and good speed and great consistency for that amount of laps, then we're pretty much looking good. So the goal is to head towards that, the cycling, the running, the, you know, the other cardio workouts, rowing, ski, all the other little pieces. Mm-hmm. All are just links to help balance that out, you know. Help them achieve so, that consistency um, of the cardio over the 22 e- e- minutes. Ex- e- ex- exactly. And then, 
if you have kind of like today, we had a bit of a delay because of, of a, you know, some rough weather, then I've got to adjust the intensity, which I'm trying to get out of cardio instead of because I know I would have missed it from the motorcycle stuff. So you're constantly balancing, but the plan is ultimately to get towards that, you know, the riders being able to maintain at least that so that they can go racing you know yeah and and so i'm guessing what i'm hearing then today they probably were all moaning and groaning that they're having to put in more effort on the cardio machine rather than the motorcycle yes yeah <laughs> so because something i mean these guys are, are racers they they motorcycle guys so it's not like they just love the cardio part you know no. um that just balances out the training that we need in order to gain that fitness and then when you add the strength stuff you know, the strength training is is kind of individual because each guy's a little bit different in their strengths and weaknesses. So uh, although I have to try and do, you know, the strength training as a group, but I will balance out that training with areas that I feel like obviously that all of them need, but then there are specifics for guys that maybe have a little bit of a weak, you know, weakness in certain areas where they'll be doing a little bit extra in, in, in those kind of areas. So, um, yeah, that just adds that other little piece that you've got to make sure you you are monitoring and adjusting accordingly. Yeah, I think I had that a question a bit later on for us, but I'll jump in it now because you sort of touched on it. But, like, mm. you've got a couple of guys that are obviously a different stature, you know, um, Malcolm yeah. to, like, Cooper. Like, there's, they're two different people physically in you know to look at height wise bone structure muscle mass yeah and, and obviously then going to adapt to those strength sessions very differently and and potentially you know put on a lot of bulk or or none you know so do you do your Correct. programs for those guys because you've got like i think it's five isn't it this year that you got working with you yeah um are, are your strength programs like essentially the same just different like um so same exercise say like you're all going to do just first top off the head, chest press, say, right? It's We're all doing chest press today, but you're, you're, Malcolm's going to do a higher weight with more reps and Cooper's going to do a a, a a smaller weight, sorry, a higher weight, um, more reps and, and or so on and so forth to to target those different physical body types or, or what do you do at that point for those variances that you're trying to work around? Yeah, and that's a good question, David, but it starts with, so when I start with an athlete, so obviously take measurements, see where he's at, see where his mobility is, see if he has any areas that, you know, from injuries, what he's capable and, and all that. So I have a pretty decent idea where everybody is at. But the biggest thing too, and you're right, is that each guy has a different structure. And like a guy like Malcolm, I mean, and even Coop, you know, we constantly having to watch, you know, weight gains, you know, yeah. that, that <laughs> they don't, they you know, that's and that's a tough one. I mean, it is, it's very individual, but it is what is so, you know, getting bulk in the gym is not going to help me at all, especially with those guys. So with no. them, I'm not a I'm not a believer actually across the field of being on on such heavy weight. I'd rather change their workouts, like specifically with them, to a lot lighter weight, more repetitions. So we're still getting that what I call fatigue training, mm-hmm. which is good for them on the motorcycle, but also will utilize a lot more combination workouts where they're doing a more of a motion. So it's also adds a little bit of that cardio side so that mm-hmm. they're actually burning, burning a bit of calories too. And then I'm also a big believer in band workouts because I feel like you can't damage anything with bands, but you can't really make massive muscle gain, but it is fatiguing and it is great for 
keeping the specific areas strong and and also mainly to prevent against injury. You know, I feel like the gym stuff is more of a injury prevention scenario than than uh, anything else, to be honest. Unless a guy has a massive weakness, but typically, by the time I get you know down the line and we're in the you know later in the in the, I mean in four fifty class, it's it's not like that's their first ever you know strength training workout or whatever. They pretty much have done a decent point. amount. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they've pretty much come to you with, you know, all having, having done different sort of scenarios or exercises. And then I've got to kind of navigate through that and find out, you know, depending on what I see with weaknesses and strengths and adjust accordingly. And then the other big thing is, you know, I do have to keep them as a group. You know, we don't have enough time in the day where I could individually do each guy in the gym. So yeah, I've got to be mindful of that on how creative I get in the gym, which, you know, to give an example, I change the gym. It's, it changes every week. All you right. know, so, so you it's do not make the that same. differences all the time. Yeah. Now I find that that's critical because then I can kind of rally through multiple different exercises that, yeah, maybe this week it's not perfect for Malcolm, but it's still, he's going to get something out of it, but it may be a line for more, let's say coop. And then, you know, I'll keep in mind that, okay, Coop's going to miss a session going off to Paris this week. Mm-hmm. So then I'll, I'll, you know, then it'll be switching to where it, it sort of favors more like a, you know, a Christian or, or, a, you know, Malcolm in a way, but, yeah. um, an adjustment of weight is very individual. Um, and the way I work through that without getting complicated is, you know, the guys have got to meet their certain reps and, if it's slightly lighter, let's say for, or it's maybe a little bit under, like, or give you an example, let's say Malcolm can do this exercise specific, like a squat, a little easier than, you know, what, what Aaron can do, yep. then, you know, Malcolm will do more repetitions, okay. you know, so yeah. it balances and that's probably the best because, like I said, it's never perfect when you do have a group. There's there's huge benefits to having a group, and that's why I feel like they push each other. Yeah. The training's a little bit more fun. Uh, the longevity out of everything I feel is really good. But there are areas where you just have to give up a little. Yeah, fair enough too. Like there's there's only so many things you can do for a group of five. So and in a in a short space yeah. of time when you're trying to make the the best for everyone. So yeah, that would be difficult at, on different days to come up with the right right mix. So I don't envy that exactly. part of your job at all. <laughs> that would be the challenge to make sure they're all in, engaged and and enjoying it and progressing. So yeah, that'd be difficult. Yeah, no, no. That's that's why I say like I've got my hands full when I have five guys. It's <laughs> it's everything I have to to monitor all of this. You know and 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 at least you know know that i'm i'm making the gains that we need to make you know definitely so on on those gains and sort of on that weight sort of talk there about you know getting specific for the right rider at the right time with the weights when you do start out these programs and you sort of touched on it before about testing them for you know previous injuries and range of motions mm. Is that day one for you at this point in the in the preseason, like to do like a testing day, and then and then what do you do test for at that point? Like, is there a couple of specific tests you would use, and then reuse to say at the end of the the six week um, preseason test to say yes, we achieved this bit, we've got to this point that we wanted you at, you know, to be hopefully competitive, you know, come come round one. Yeah, and David, that's a good question. I mean. I try and get as much information in the beginning. I know when that when pre sort of when we before we start training, 
they're fresh, they're, you know, I mean, everything is pretty much ground zero in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a little bit different to a new guy, like in the case with Christian, you know, because I, then I, I have no information on him. Yeah. So I'll, I'll want to run a little bit more and that's, you know, including the, the, the standard pre, you know, preseason blood testing to get a base to understand where they are in a rested point, you yep. know, because it's difficult down the line to do blood tests when you're in training, you know, you're going to get a lot of false sort of scenarios with that, but at least preseason it's, it's to make sure that we've got the, the base blood work. Um, and then I will do, I'm more into the lactate testing, um, to see what a, a rider's capabilities are. I'm not a big believer in VO2 okay. because I feel like it doesn't align or it's not needed for motorcycle racing. Now, if they were a cyclist or a runner or a swimmer, I'd say that is huge because that's yeah. going to show their their capability cardio-wise, but not for motorcycle racing. I, I feel like that's unnecessary, um, and I can get – better values that are more specific to each guy that with, with lactate testing. So yeah, I'm a big believer. I'm a big believer of that. And there again, like in the case of like a new guy, like Christian, you, you get the, that, but that's now that's all you have. So that's your base settings. That is something that you would want to check again. But to me, it's not critical because you ain't got any choices, you know? So when you get to the end and they're going to go racing, it's in a way it could be detrimental mentally if you run another test and that's maybe not the ideal test. Okay. Because yep. so um, I kind of pick my battles with that. And if I find that we have a situation where they, there's a day where, you know what, we, there's no riding or it fits in and I know they fresh and that, then I might throw that test back at them. But it's it's not ideal, I feel, because really, if for some reason, I mean, I feel like you're definitely going to, I mean, you're going to make improvements just on complete, just looking at the program when you've built up more and more and more intensity and laps, it's going to get better. You know, the, I've never had a guy go backwards, to be honest, but uh, you've also got to watch that you don't want the mentality to change. You know, he's got to go racing no matter what. If, even if he's not ready, he's still, it's not like you can call and say, hey, can you guys move the schedule? This guy ain't ready. You know, <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be an interesting phone it's call. It's going to happen. Yeah, you know, and, and that's something, you know, it's funny because sometimes we laugh when I first watched them in the first week of riding and I'm like, dang it, man, maybe we need to get that schedule changed to like February, you know, and they will start laughing, you know, like anyway, but you know, my point is that you also want to be realistic at what they have to go and do. You know, it's not like there's any choices. So you you got to watch that a little bit. But um, typically seeing improvements is something I, I want to see on the motorcycle. And I do have where I, what I call consistency ratios on how consistent they are lap by lap and also how much they can take or load-wise on a motorcycle. That's always your two major um, sort of guidelines, you know. The rest, I mean, even the cycling and the cardio, that improves anyway because you're you're doing a lot more of it and it's, you know, becomes, you know, part of it. So, You make yeah. an interesting point there about that, the psychology part about not retesting right before because it might, you know, break the person before their season starts. Like, yeah. It's, I hadn't thought of that because, like, 
we, we, I suppose in moto, they are a bit fragile in the sense of the psychology and, you know, this guy's beating me and I can't get him on this lap or, you know, he's beating me in the gym everywhere. I don't want to yeah. know that he's massively better than me physically before I go and try and race him for the money. Um, you know, I hadn't it's, thought of that point. It's, it's really, you're yeah. bang on. Well, it's true, David, and that's why I know in, in earlier when you when your some of the things that I read, I know I think one of the things we were going to chat about was, you know, having like a, you know, PR record of yeah. like rowing or something, yeah. you know what I mean, which you honestly don't want that because you're going to get certain athletes that just gravitate that they'll love the rower or another guy's a great just automatically better cyclist than, than another one. So you got to be careful that you don't want to show that, oh, wow, you know, this guy just blew the socks off that, yeah. but not everyone can do it because now you're like, dang it, he's not going to deal with this too well because they're all competitive guys and they're racers, you know. So it's it's bad enough per se that every guy will have their bad days on the track and how you navigate that is also important. But mm-hmm. I, I kind of sit down with the group also before we all start training and get them to understand that not every day is going to be a good day for any one of them. And also some guys gravitate better to a particular track than others. And, you know, we have three supercross tracks. So I yeah. do find – you know, so I think with them knowing that, you know what, the goal here is to use each other to be better and to be pushed. That's going to make each of us better. But then obviously when we go racing, it's all into what we do it on race day. And that's our race craft and uh, pretty much, you know, what you do from the start, you know, to to the end of the race. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, because I was just thinking as you're talking about all that, like that they they're obviously knowing the lap times when they're on the track for the days, and that's probably enough of the, of yeah. the beat down than having in the gym. Yeah, all right, two k on the rower. I'm fifth out of five. Yeah. like that would be <laughs> probably hard enough. It's hard enough knowing that you're fifth out of five on the track that day. Um, let alone going into the gym later in the afternoon or whatever. And right. and there it is too. Oh crap, I'm I'm terrible. Um, they they wouldn't need to know that. Do they do they watch? Like I've seen some of your um, some of the videos and stuff on you guys in the past with like um having some um some uh heart rate data sort of on screens and stuff are you still doing that sort of thing because i assume then with the five guys they'd be monitoring their heart rates over different activities that they're doing as well and going oh he's he's better than me on that same amount of effort and whatever like there's so many points that they could be competitive on if you have that stuff with, with data you know i try and limit that like each guy has their own you know heart rate zones um, which, you know, when they get the program, you know, at the beginning of the week, it, it shows all their individual heart rates. And they, as long as they're sticking to that, which that's downloaded each day, and I get to see that. But I don't really swap out each one's heart rates. You know, I think that that's very personal. And, and, um, and they understand, too. I mean, just if you look at, you know, a young guy compared to a guy that's more of a veteran. You know, their their heart rates are different naturally. Yeah, you and know? that's the natural so, physiology changes, uh, isn't it? So e- e- exactly. So I don't put that out there. I mean, there's only a few times where we've done like group spins, and then it comes up on the on the um, on the screen, and it's more just for me to make sure that each one's kind of in their zone, because that's an area where they they can kind of almost slacken off a little, you know. <laughs> but um, but on the motorcycle, I don't have any problems with that, and and I obviously I get to 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 see that, and um, you know I keep that pretty much be, between me and and each individual, 
you know. Yeah, definitely. And, and on that, uh, just a little side note here for you on the pole, because I know you guys use Polar for all your heart rate tracking. Um, I was Correct. actually talking to um, a guy from Polar Australia yesterday. Um, they're going to start doing some support of the of the podcast here, and and he actually awesome. it, it was actually quite amazing. He actually knew who you were, and that you had come up in multiple of their um, you know business meetings about the data that you were gaining from the use of the product and he actually was like oh make sure you say hi to him it's he's it's pretty impressive what he does with our products and i was like wow it's sort of awesome that our sport in the training sense is is crossing over through this you know through this training for them in their marketing and stuff about how to use it so that was pretty impressive no it is and and look polar's been there from the beginning you know with me so and and man i have so much data from from earlier and 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 what's so impressive is their systems have got just kept on proving, you know, on giving you more and more. You know, I remember when I'd have to break down the, the heart rates and then minus all the unusable time, and it would take me for, you know, forever to get through. Yeah. Actually, thank God in those days I was only doing like one guy yeah. or maybe two. <laughs> but, you know, when you got full and, and now it automatically does that. So, gosh, it just makes my life a lot easier. And then, you know, Polar have been kind enough to to let me utilize um, their sort of like their team um, docking station system. Yep. Which that's so cool because you know in our sport, unfortunately, that you know the heart rate monitors take a massive abuse on a motorcycle. They you do. know, so yeah. you know if you don't have to have that on your wrist and it's all in in the actual transmitter, which which uh, you know I get to utilize, it's it's huge, man. That that makes a big difference, and then it's quickly downloaded and and we are good to go so uh no thanks to them they make my life a lot easier that's for sure yeah and they definitely yeah. obviously get so much data that you're using every day so yeah it's a, an amazing product there. yeah it's um yeah i was just thought it was amazing that they knew exactly who you were because it's not too often that you, you know you can bring up somebody you know in, in the moto world to a non-moto person and they go oh yeah yeah you know, it's it was pretty awesome so no, no. that was cool no, that's cool that we're making inroads into the, the, you know, the bigger picture too, which, yeah, as I say, it's an important uh, tool for our sport for sure. Definitely, definitely. Now, what about the, the, the negative side of our, our sport is the injuries, right? What are you mm. doing at this point in this year to, to, to either test or to confirm sort of a baseline of where the person's at, like the rider's at, to then say, all right, they did get injured, say in you know round six, whatever, and we know that mm. by you know four weeks later they're actually back to a level that is comp- you know suitable from what you tested earlier to then send them back. Yeah, David, and that's you know injuries are always that I mean you know ugly side of the the, the deal that you you know you struggle with. I mean, look, we always you know hope and pray that the guys can get through without without any injuries but you know there are tip overs and it's going to happen and some are worse than others you know but i think the three things that i analyze you know the one the most important injury is obviously if like a concussion or something or they bang their head that's the one that you know look they do do the their pre-season um baseline testing for that Mm -hmm. and and then that that part if they ever do ever crash or they bang their head or they're not quite right they automatically have to go and do that retest and they are then under a you know a doctor or you know professional person's care in that that area you know and actually yeah in in florida we have some really good um 
you know doctors that can can check them and do a scan and all the rest. So that's nice. the one yeah. that you you dread you dread the most, and you don't mess. I wouldn't say you mess around with any injury, but that one you really yeah. you know yeah. that that you don't take any gamble with, you know. And then the others, I mean, the main things that I try and especially when I look at strength training, because I look at strength training as probably the best preventative, the strength training, and then also yoga. I do. I'm a big believer in yoga, and I feel like the stretching that I have them do each morning naturally helps flexibility, and it, it really helps if they do tip over with mm-hmm. the way their body reacts. So Agreed. I'm, I'm yep. a big believer in you know a big believer in that, and then I also um, I try and I do feel like knee injury and shoulder injury is probably one of the other main twos. Yep. You know they are and from my data. Yep. So. Yeah, so I try and focus on everything that helps with knee stability and strength and also shoulder, you know, stability and strength. Those are the areas that like I'll always highlight in 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 my strength training to make sure that each guy okay, are we doing everything we can to be in a better way to be preventative of of an uh, in injury, you know. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you know, you you carry on without trying to make it too complicated. Obviously, when I start with a guy, we part of the baseline and everything is to optimize and go over any pre, you know, injuries that he's had and kind of where he's at going forward and what's our plan to hopefully make that that better. Mm, you know. Definitely. And so then with Christian being a new starter to your program, and this is sort of a question mm. I wanted to sort of see about with the injuries and, and that based on like a comparison to like the stick and ball sports where they would do exit medicals from teams and, and prior to contracts being put in place and then to confirm that they can actually go ahead and do what they said they were doing. They're not coming into the new team as such, you know, with a pre-existing thing that's going to then impact that, that you know, the contract being fulfilled, let's say. Did you, with Christian coming over, did you get a chance to do anything like that, like a pre-medical or something? Or did he, you just basically, he signs with a team because he signs with a team and then day one you get to work out where he's at. Yeah, the thing is, once the team signs, you know, the rider, I'm left with, okay, hey, we've signed him, you know, he has his number, start <laughs> connecting and, and get on it. So Work it's not it out, like please. you've yeah. got much. Yeah, so those things just come along and and honestly, you, you work from there forward. It's, you know, unless there was something ridiculously major or he rolled up towards you and he's already sort of got an injury meaning you know like, oh man i've just had acl and you, yep, know, yep. you know whatever or or something then you're like okay heck how long you know then you dig a little deeper but most times i've had a new guy you it, that's not the case and uh, but you do go over their sort of pre-injury sort of career in a way I, I, yep. i'd say the, the one that comes to mind that was the worst was when Villo. Uh, Villapoto contacted me and he wanted to join in and the concern you know he had had a horrible foot injury ankle injury and that's right he, had he that was big torn one at Lewis yeah at that point. yeah before he came to he, you exactly and the the problem with that I we, we we were both not sure if that was something that he could actually ride a motorcycle properly with so I had to take him to a special clinic that did a full test on that ankle mobility and had a few doctors look at that to give their best opinion on, hey, you know what, he's still going to be able to manage a motorcycle well. Um, it's not going to be something that's, 
gonna that has ruined his basically his career. But he was torn if he took he should take insurance money that he'd been paying for a long time and just that's it. Or you know what, am I able to do the job properly? But that was probably the one that we went backwards and forwards the most. Um, and I mean, thank God that all actually worked out really well. I was going to um, say, but, it turned out awesome yeah. considering if you, if you, what you're saying there is he was thinking about taking an insurance retirement payout. That, like, it worked out in his yeah, favor not to. No, exactly. No, it, it was close. He was just, it wasn't just a straight like, all right, heck, I'm, I'm ready to go. It, yeah. it was a little bit, bit up and down. But that's, you know, those scenarios are the ones that you try and analyze. And the biggest thing is just to, make sure you have an understanding that you look, can this guy actually do his job properly, you yeah, know, and not only for himself, but also for the team, yep. you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's, yeah. yeah. So uh, it's awesome. I picked up there that you basically you're using some, especially with that Villapoto example, you went and used some extra medical, um, you know, sources yeah. to go and get a pro- more professional opinion on it. Cause it's probably not something that you can, you know, say you're qualified to look at accurately at that level for that, um, you know, especially no. Villo's example, like that was a pretty significant injury. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. So um, those one-offs, the ones that you, you hope you never have to deal with, but every now and again in the sport, that's what pops up. Definitely. You know? Yeah, no, look, that's it's interesting. It's always part of our sport, unfortunately. But, but yeah, like obviously yeah. it changes what you're doing at the beginning a little bit and like so, yeah. The stick and ball example is you don't get that sort of history coming in. You just got to take it once you've got them signed. So yeah, it's um, we do it differently in the motor right. world. <laughs> that is for sure. Yeah. Now I've got a couple yeah. of extra ones. Are we still all good with time? Where are we up to for yourself? How much? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Let's let's. No, keep, no problem. Let's keep going then. So I've got a couple uh, just ones here that I put at the bottom uh, of our question sheet that we organised beforehand. Now. How do you manage yeah. that sort of time when you lose time on, on things? Like I'm thinking like along the lines of the guys, you've got five guys out in a cycle ride, but you know, flat tires happen on cycle rides probably more often than you'd like. How do you go about like, especially in this preseason time, there's like maybe half that ride, you know, wasted lost. Cause you've got to then get back, you know, cut a short cut to get back to make it to the next part of your day. How do you make up that stuff or, or can you? All right, okay. so let's um, so another technical difficulty, but we're just jumping straight back in. So one of those uh, questions about you know how you make up some time in this preseason when you have, if you've got you've got five guys on a cycle ride and then you know flat tires happen on these rides, unfortunately, probably more often than you'd like. Mm-hmm. How do you make up that? Because you're gonna at that point, you know, you're there repairing a tire. Potentially, it takes longer than you'd like. You have to cut that ride short to get back to make it to the next part of your training day. Can you make that up, or what are you trying to do to sort of alleviate those those little issues of time loss things you can't even be prepared for and, and that does happen you're right so in that situation it is a bit of a bummer because almost everybody suffers through that i don't like to just say hey uh, you guys carry on and we'll because it, you never know when you know I, I do believe we still maintain as a team and we do stuff together um but to a limit if it's just a quick bike a tire change or something then you know i i have the stuff ready and pretty much i'm the guy that'll sort it out you're carrying you know? the toolkit um yeah well i have a toolkit on every guy's bike actually each guy's bike is housed at at my place okay they all come to my house cycle from here because then i can keep a bit better maintenance schedule and also <laughs> monitor like if a guy's tires are looking tired, you know, these athletes, it's not something they really monitor, but I will check on that and make sure that we're at least 
ahead of the game. So that helps. Yep. But still, there are those occasions. In fact, the other day, it was, it was me. It, I, I caught <laughs> something in the tire blue. Was it? So, but um, I will at the end of the week, because when I look at training time, I have a plan for the week. And whatever I'm lacking there, that it will be tacked on to the following week yeah, in right. some way or so it's not that hard to balance that out i mean sometimes the less they know the better like <laughs> they'll they don't know what i have and then suddenly it'll be slightly longer right and they every now and i get the one saying man that was longer than normal is there a <laughs> twigged a little bit about that one <laughs> i'll say yeah, I'm making up for some stuff that I know that's coming. You know, that's not, you know, and, and then there's no questions. But you do have to adjust accordingly. And some days too, um, well, and I only really know it at the end of the week when I've balanced everything out. And that's the only kind of possible way of doing it. I used to do it day by day, but it's very difficult to then like rearrange and just and, and, and change, except especially when you have five. Yeah. So... I just do it more at the end of the week and, you know, that might adjust things the following week with an extra, you know, 15, 20 minutes in cardio or uh, the guys will notice, you know, instead of a row being, you know, maybe 30 minutes, it's 35 or, you know, there's, there's just ways that you can adapt to make sure that my numbers meet, you know, weekend and, and week out. So, and they typically, like I said, it's not anything that I've had really too much questioning over but that's your only way of of fixing those those little issues yeah 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 fair enough it'd be hard to sort of catch up at times but yeah if you're doing a couple of minutes here or there they hopefully they don't notice too much like you said so they that's can um, right. physically yeah. mentally they're not going jesus what's he doing to us today so <laughs> that's right you sneak it in there so uh yeah <laughs> And what about like what's a day in in what's a heavy day for you guys in preseason? Like how much how much cycling, how much bike time, how much gym time? Like what are they? What's a heavy day for them at this point? Like give the give the listeners an idea of what you're putting these guys through day to day at the moment. Yeah, and look, it does vary, but uh, like I'd say the toughest days are Tuesdays. Okay. I call them tough Tuesday. Yeah. Um. And that's when I want to get the most out of the motorcycle, meaning the longest of the sessions. So, give me an example. Look, we start with, with the, you know, they have their stretching, which they'll do at their house. And yep. then we start with cardio, which can vary depending on the week. Yep. Anything from 30 to an hour initially, if there's riding on the, on the day, which let's say if we're talking about Tuesday, that's the case. And then, then they're out at the track riding. I do try and stick to limited time in between so that we don't make for long days and also not to lose the track too much. Yeah, so, moisture-wise from a riding point. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And also with the amount of guys that I have, you know, I have a full-time track guy, but he needs as much time as he can he can possibly have to fix the track, you know, reasonably. Like for the next you know, day. So that, the next day, yes. Yeah, so he needs some daylight so, too. <laughs> Exactly. So, you know, I give them a 10 minute warm up, which that's when they're allowed, they can do whatever, you know, they circle around thing and they, that's the period when they can make adjustments with their mechanic. Mm -hmm. And then we start the skill. And so on a Tuesday, they would start with this, like a longer session. And that's probably about 15 laps initially yeah. at this point. 
And then I don't have much of a break between and it's still out on the track. Um, and then they'll go into either, well, definitely some shorter stuff, but I try and make up at least, you know, f- um, probably 20 to maybe 25 laps in that first session. And then I feel like we need to put water down anyway. They take a break, which is typically 45 minutes. Yeah. And then we come out and do starts. We practice starts before the bikes get too hot or, you know, too used up. Yeah. Um, and then after starts, they start their, their second session, which is very similar, at least another 15 or later in the stage, will be another 20 lapper, then a little break and then the shorter stuff. And that either be, you know, shorter sprint laps, yep. you know, three to four laps yep. or even shorter laps. And, and the way, I mean, I always have a plan, but sometimes I'll adjust depending on weather. You know, if yeah, it's a colder enough. day, I, I feel I can squeeze even more out of them. <laughs> and, and, but if it's a hot day, like at the moment, it seems like it hasn't really tipped towards the cooler days. Yeah. Um, then I got to be a little bit careful because I can read that they're right on that little rivet, you know, where it's, I'm not going to get the productivity that I would hope for, you know, depending on, on the situation. But on, on average, you know, a good 40 to 45 laps on a supercross track is about normal. And then after that, they take a break and then we do the gym and the gym is anything from 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah, wow. There's a lot. So what's yeah. the what's the measure that you get at the end of the day for like calories burned or like is there a another number that you're looking at to say that this was a big day? Like where is that compared to like a normal person going to the office? It's probably massively different obviously, but well, and and you know, I'm I'm not a big thing on the whole calorie because each guy's different on true what the they whole physical makeup do. conversation earlier, yeah. Yes, you know, because I mean, look, the polar will tell me, and I mean, some days I'm like, oh my gosh, that seems <laughs> ridiculous. But it's, it's my way of checking how much calorie expenditures, how much weight they've lost at the end of the gym when I weigh them. Yeah, right. Okay. You know, I think, you know, I, I utilize that a lot, and I check in every time at the end of the gym because then I can get an idea too of, I know where they were, and now we're looking at okay, where are they now, you know, and with with an and that to me is very relative to each one individual. Yeah, makes so it more specific. So it gives me a yeah. yeah, instead of, well, heck, you know, you burn up 3,000 calories. If I tell them how much they've supposedly burned, then it just gives them the mindset they can go home and eat whatever they want. And that's <laughs> Which is what you don't want them what to I do. I do not yeah. want. So I'm very careful on that, on that whole thing. What uh, when you were saying too before about like the, on a warmer day or a cooler day you do more or less? I'm assuming there's one guy that's the weatherman and tells you specifically whether you're over that marker. Is it, which one of them is it out of the guys? So we just last dropout hopefully, but we were probably playing havoc with the weather and stuff over there, so the signal's probably not that good. But Alden, you're saying about like on a hot day or a cool day, you would adjust the amount of laps, you know, for the guys depending on on the scenario with the weather. I'm assuming there's one guy in your group that's probably the weatherman and is telling you specifically whether it's over or under a certain number so that you, you, you know, whether you're adjusting the extra laps or not. Is there one of those guys in your group? Actually, David, I'm that guy. Oh, okay. I've, I've, <laughs> I've been doing it long enough where I know, you know, the effects, especially in Florida, of heat and also specifically Supercross. 
um, you know, you don't get a lot of breathing room and it can be really, really warm. So I am mindful and I can kind of look at each athlete and see how much sort of you can look in their eyes and how much the strain really is. And especially regarding heat, how much they're sweating. Yeah. So I need to be mindful with that and try and once again, I want to get the most productive out of a session and not just beat the guys down. You know, there's there's no point in that. Well, you so, still need them to turn up tomorrow uh, and do it again, don't you? So Exactly. And then, you know, owning a facility makes you an instant weatherman. You need to be on point with what's coming, <laughs> what's on radar, what's the heat index, because not only for the athletes, but also to try and, you know, fix the track and take care of that and how much, uh, you know, the water truck needs to be used to, to water the, you know, so there's a lot that goes into, you know, keeping them at the best possible way to, to get the best training out of them. Yeah. You definitely sound like you've become more than just a trainer these days with that whole facility now. Like there's obviously so much more to it than just you hit your heart rate numbers today and we did your number of laps today. Obviously there's so much that you've built into this by having, the tracks, the the staff, the you know the buildings, the gym, all that's probably gone in, exponentially increased your workload. No, it does, and you know you're gonna know me. You're gonna know when those machines need to be serviced, what goes into these. I mean, it's it's a lot. I mean, it it still really is cool, but I would have never thought when I first went into it that there's so many pieces of trying to make that big old ship run well. You know, so uh, it it keeps me on my toes that is for sure and and despite all that you somehow managed to find time to get involved with a, a new venture um in the cycling world you, you want to tell us a little bit about how you managed to get involved with that well david you know that's been a dream for the last gosh four or five years now where i thought man it'd be so cool always you know a bicycle's been integral in in all my training and, and my background and everything and i thought man you know how cool it would be have your own like perfect bike, you know, and I've, you know, was blessed to be involved with specialized for, for 22 years. And, but having my own bike, um, was, was always there in the back of my mind. And uh, actually one of the partner that I have, his name's Alfredo. He was a guy that I kind of helped on the side. Who's a, a top BMX, um, pro. And mm -hmm. he had a similar dream. He's come from Ecuador and we were chatting years ago about, man, how, how cool would that be to, have your own bicycle, and and uh, we spoke about it, and then he kind of went off and did a lot more research, and then when I'd meet up with him, we would chat more about it and look at the different logistics. Well, over the years, it developed to a plan to sourcing the right, uh, you know, companies in yeah. Asia that make the best carbon and all the process. But it started off more as a a nice dream, I'd say, and of a sort of a homework kind of package to to look into it well over that time things developed connections were made we've uh, you know had about or two or three different prototypes that i would test on the side and look yep. at and then go back with ideas but it actually comes full circle now and, and we're actually going to launch this um on the 15th of of november uh the name of the bicycle is el carvey and it's yep. basically a combination of our two names and you say it like Ferrari, El Carvey. And, <laughs> nice. Uh, it's, 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 yeah, and it's to us, it's our basically our Ferrari, you know. So Sounds cool. a lot has gone into, you know, we're excited. And, and, you know, I always think to start off a bicycle, you, you need to have 
a really good road bike. And then our goal is to venture into gravel bikes and then into the mountain e-bike. Yeah, right. So, so you're going to cover the whole range eventually. Yeah, that's the plan. And and look, we're not, you know, there's going to be limited quantities. I think we're not just diving in because they are special and a lot has gone into them. And there'll be three versions that kind of align with, we've aligned ourselves with Shimano. Okay. And they're different three, um, you know, ETAP, you know, versions, you know, the electric. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So we kind of had to wait because Shimano on the 105, which is the lower model, yeah. Um, they've only just got their new um, electric for that. And ah. so finally now, like, are ready to, you know, and and I'm talking we're going to probably only sell 50 the initial run, and then the following year, you know, next year the goal is 150 and so on. So there's it's not a lot of bikes that we want to offer, but I do believe that they are special they are, and we'll go from there. Oh, it's amazing that you can find the extra time. But yeah, it sounds like you've got that full passion project going there. So that's an awesome thing. And I'm surprised that you found time for it. But yeah, it's obviously a dream. So congratulations on getting it off the ground. No, thanks. And I'm surprised we managed to also with the time that I have. But it, that, that's been a really awesome almost project. And then the other thing too is I want to align it with Baker's Factory because that's actually where the bike will be assembled and actually shipped out of. So it's a little bit of a collaboration, which we're excited about. You have to so build we'll another building out there or something for fabrication or something. What's going on there? Your property's getting multi-use well, now. <laughs> I know. Well, I feel like I've actually got the space. Um, but I think as things develop, yes, there will be some improvements in, in a couple of things. So it, it should work out really, really cool. No, yeah. look, it sounds awesome. And I've seen some of the footage you've popped up on social media there of the images of the bike and that and you on it. And it looks, co- it looks cool. So we'll have to see what it looks like when you drop more of it on the 15th. Yeah, no, no thanks, David. As I say, we're excited and looking forward to that part of it for sure. No, awesome. And look, Alan, appreciate the time today, mate. And, and, and obviously with the weather and stuff and even all the dropouts still coming back around. So look, it's awesome to have you on the Always Moto podcast. Your insight's been fantastic. I, I really appreciate diving in deep on some of those things with the, with the pro- program at this point in the year. And look, good luck for the rest of the couple of weeks. Hopefully the guys can um, you know, put in the effort now to pay for, get the rewards later. No, well, thanks, David. And as I say, man, I appreciate you and keep up the good work there with Always Moto. I do, you know, check on it now that when you connected with me, I'm, I was able to link in and see that and hey, keep up the great work on your end. And uh, yeah, man, I, I look forward to it also at some point uh, popping over for a visit to Australia. My, actually, my family live in Australia, although they're on the western side. Oh, fair. Um, I didn't realize that. Okay, yeah, no, awesome. No, look, yeah. look you have to get over here one day, maybe with these... Um, other events we've got going on but look I'm, I'm hoping to catch up with some of you guys over in the states next year at some point so I'll, um we'll have to come and put faces to the names so yeah definitely <laughs> now we look forward to that but thanks for everything and as say keep up the good work on your end too mate. we'll do we'll do awesome thanks alden all right take care cheers there bye-bye all right guys and girls thanks for sticking around and listening to the always moto podcast I thought I'd drop in after that interview there with Alden and all that great information that he gave us. I thought I'd drop in a little bit of an explanation around a couple of the things that he mentioned through the training side of things and see if we could just explain it or expand on it just a little bit further because obviously there's some information there that he might have just sort of glossed over. 
so I wanted to just run through a couple of things on the VO2 max bit that he mentioned, the lactate threshold that he mentioned, and his consistent consistency ratios that he mentioned. Now, he, he out and sort of touched on the fact that he doesn't like to use the VO2 max score in moto because it's not very specific. And it's completely understandable why he would come across with that because the VO2 max is around your um, ability to use oxygen over uh, the maximum oxygen your body can utilize during exercise. Now, for a cyclist who purely is just a cardio exercise, same with swimming or long distance running, it's a perfect measure and a good use of it. But in moto where you're doing such high intensity activities, it doesn't translate as a good measure of what fitness is. So that's where he then came across with the blood lactate measures that he was talking about as well. And that's because the blood lactate is actually then, uh, it's the point during incremental exercise that lactate builds up in your bloodstreams. And the higher that level is that you can work towards means the more intensity you can put into your um, into your training efforts and how high, how long you can maintain a high output before that lactate builds to or goes beyond the point that you can sustain. So he's obviously trying to then increase that lactate point to be as high as it can be so that they can perform at a maximal effort in that sort of 20-minute mode of a supercross or a 30-minute plus two in a, in a motocross uh, round to be able to be under that and then repeat that. So also he's using that lactate then as a sign of recovery before they do the next thing. And that's why it's sort of done in incremental exercise blocks that they will test that. So this, the, like, like I said, this, the, that VO2 max and the lactates are very different aspects of training, but they're very specific in, in some sports than others. And that's why Alden has leaned, leaned towards the blood lactate. It's nice to know what your VO2 max is, but it's not critical in this sense of moto and training for moto. So that's why he goes over to more of that lactate measures. And it's something that's much easier to test to the lactates. It's a little prick on the end of the finger, kind of like any, if anyone listening knows anything about diabetes testing, where they prick the finger, get a little bit of drop of blood, put it on a, on a little strip and then measure the, the glucose levels in the blood. It's done similarly. You're measuring just the, the lactate that's in the blood. You come out with a, with mils, millimoles, um, scoring and and you can then tell how it's progressing along at different zones now usually once you hit zone three it's gone up a lot zone four it's gone up even more and zone five you're maxed out and it sort of matches to those heart rate zones so you're trying to move those along a bit further and that's where he then also mentioned that each guy's heart rate zones is specific to them so he's obviously adjusted those based on those blood lactate scores so very interesting stuff that he's, that he's working through with his training program and utilizing all this data from his polar um, polar heart rate tracking stuff, but also he's going into blood testing. Uh, he's doing it himself, but he'd also get um, you know those done externally and get more counts done uh, from full blood blood work panels, etc. So some interesting stuff. The consistency ratio is another thing that I think he's developed over time for. Um, for the moto specific side of things to to judge the effort on track so not just using the uh using the heart rate straps again for his zones and how long they were in a certain zone on the track because as soon as you get if anyone's ever actually used their heart rate strap on the moto in any um intense sort of 20 minute ride or something 
you'll you'll notice that you in moto your heart rate almost goes into that zone five straight away and stays there for pretty much the whole time it's a little bit of the intensity it's a little bit of um just you know being anxious and and hyped up for the moto um but it's also then all the you know in a race situation you're obviously got all the action people cutting you off you trying to pass somebody that jacks your heart rate up it's not purely a cardio-based reason that your heart rate's elevated there's other factors going into it the adrenaline dropped into the body because you've just hit a massive jump or or, you know somebody's cut you off and you almost crash so you you know the adrenaline spikes that forces your heart rate higher in this consistency ratio he's talking about the time of each lap and how close they are every time they on the track so he's measuring every lap time and comparing it to a set lap time for that day so they will do it. They'll go out initially in that warm up period that he talked about of ten minutes, and then their first session they'll get a lap time that is their best time. He's then comparing that every lap after that first time on the track to that lap time for every lap of the day, and coming out with how much variance they had across that whole day as to whether they were slacking or whether they were very much putting in a massive effort and very close to each lap time every time on the track. And that's how he's telling his moto efforts. So for everybody out there going, all right, I've improved my lap time by five seconds today. Great. That's great in a one lap sense. Alden is very much focused on consistent laps over the whole moto and, and repeated over each moto for, you know, a motocross day. So moto one, moto two. He's very close. He wants everything to be exactly the same, one moto to the other. The effort is the same and the time is the same. So what you want to then take away from this, if you're thinking about how you imp- implement this into your own training, is each lap on every day, at every time you go out to the track, you've got to set something to begin with and stick to that time as close as you can across the whole day and that will show whether your fitness is improving or not. So some basic take-home measures there for you. So something to think about when you go to the track next time. But like I said, that interview was awesome. I got a lot out of that. If anyone has any extra questions about that particular episode without in there, please send us a DM on Instagram um, or, or send us an email through that alwaysmoto2019 at gmail.com. Be happy to then try and answer those in subsequent shows or actually put them to Alden again on our next time we talk to him and see if we can come around to some more information specific to those questions for you guys and girls. So please feel free to send those through to us uh, and we'll get those answered as best we can. So just quickly before we go... Um, just a reminder of those things that we're talking about at the beginning of the show. The Polar Australia sale is coming up on the 21st of November through to the 28th. Check out the link in the show notes to get those uh, to get onto that site and get those deals available to you. Slantboard Guy has their very simple exercise equipment available that will help your training. Check out the link also available in the show notes and use the code AlwaysMoto10. Uh, to get your 10% discount. Sorry, I think it's just always motor. Check the show notes anyway. It's in there for that that code. Uh, and it, but it is all lowercase. I know that much for sure. Make sure that you are following us on social media to stay up to date with all things injury and moto. Search always moto and then follow and subscribe. Make sure you, if you haven't already, if you're a new listener to this episode because it's Alden Baker and you thought that was going to be cool, if you'd liked what we did, make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed so you see what comes out next. If your podcast app allows, please leave us a rating. It helps us get more listeners and helps us keep bringing you more show content. So please like or subscribe and rate us as well. 
Don't forget to check out our written articles over on fullnoise.com.au. Some of you will have found the show from fullnoise.com.au. And this show is, we have other interesting articles that we do product reviews as part of our Always Moto inspections over there on that site as as well as our written versions of the emergency department before each round of the AMA Supercross. We did some for the World Supercross rounds recently and we've got one coming up for the Oz Supercross rounds before Newcastle. We'll have some pretty cool content coming up after the Newcastle round. I'm going to be there on the ground. We're going to be trying to catch up with some of the Aussie Supercross riders uh, and we'll do some post-race interviews and whatnot. So some good content coming your way with that uh, that series in the ne- near f- next few weeks. But that's it for this show. It was a massive one. Thanks for listening. Remember, you've got to be smooth to be fast because if you're not, I'll probably be seeing you deep in the emergency department Maybe even the clinic having strapping tape thrown at you wherever it sticks. Thanks for listening, guys and girls.